Welcome to the Youth Sports Parenting Tribe. I'm your host, Hernan Chosa, former tennis player and father of two boys involved in the sport. What can you find here? Thought leaders, psychologists, authors, former athletes, coaches, agents and others share that knowledge and wisdom to help us become super parents. As Jim Rome used to say, for things to change, we have to change. Welcome to the tribe. Today our guest is a tennis lover. He's a coach who has spread the word worldwide because he has performed more than 400 interviews. If there is a person out there with some knowledge about the technique, mental game or tennis legend was interviewed by Danny Spatz. Furthermore, actresses and soccer players are also part of his show. Born in Argentina, settled in Peru for some time and now in California, Danny, welcome to the tribe. Thanks, Hernan. Thank you so much for the invite and it's an honor being with you. And I know you for so many years and so it's, it's a pleasure. Thanks. Yeah, there's a story behind every guest. And back then in 1986, I went to train in a pre-season at Tandil City where big players grow. And I was below average then. And there was Daniel Spatz. He was one of the coaches and he had a gift. He had a great sense of humor. And it was important back then because we run day and night. So it was important. Then we lose contact and we met again in 2010 because I went with my kid, Julian. He played the Orange Bowl and Eddie here and he was living in Miami. So we, we chat for a while and I had uh, the opportunity to play with his kid, with Danny. Back then he was 17, 18 years old. So we hit some balls and we played a tie break. And when you play a kid, I tried to put every ball in the court, you know, so I started winning the points and Daniel approached me and he said, have you ever missed any shot? And I was surprised because I was trying to put every ball in the court, you know. So talking about Danny, my first question is about him because today is about you and the ones you love. So what's his life today? What is about his tennis and his career? Yeah, my son, now he's 28. He's a tennis coach. As soon as he finished his college career in North Carolina, he decided to move to California with us. Just like a, trying to find something, you know, when you finish high school, a college, you don't know where you are. So he said, okay, I'm going to start making some hitting lessons to make some money, charge $25 an hour, which was reasonable since he was a college player, just finishing college. But ended up being something that he liked it. He started enjoying it. And of course, like probably happens to your sons, he, they, they have knowledge uh, so about tennis. And I tell you, I was surprised watching him Hernan, coaching when he really started coaching, not hitting balls. The patient uh, kind of developing his own way, methodology, the way he was, he was so approachable, personal. And this is a gift. You can't teach a coach that. You are or you are not personal, approachable, and adaptable. He showed empathy. Empathy to me is the main virtue of any tennis coach or any teacher. Any teacher. Empathy. You talk about sense of humor. He shows some sense of humor. And I inherited that from my dad. Uh, he was very funny, goofy. 
and he will make you laugh for nothing. It's very silly things. And still, you know, I'm doing that with the kids. I tell you now something and the audience. Right now, I have to adapt my way of the way of teaching, being an entertainer 80% of the time. This is a message to the coaches from an old guy, experienced veteran coach. If I did it, the younger guys, they have to do it. I'm not the guy who said it's my way because no, no, no. We have to be 80% entertainers and 20% tennis coaches because kids are getting bored easily. They don't have the patience they have. They have so many distractions. If we don't go, right, if we don't ride the wave with them like a surfer, we are out of the business, my friend. We should not teach tennis anymore. Yeah, you're rolling some of my questions because I want I was going to ask you the difference between your coaching when you just started and, and right now and you answer it and and maybe your son gets something about your gifts or your role model because they, they model us as, as parents and, and back to Chandil. Why do you think that system worked? Because it worked for many players. Yeah, I, I, I heard an interview that you were interviewing TV in a, in a show on TV when the Perez Roldan case was, and I was totally agree with you, 100%. Uh, I know they will start throwing like, uh, what, what, how this guy is talking like this, he's crazy. I said, wait a minute, you have to listen to everybody, right? Uh, I've been there, I have been there, I've been part of the show. The director of the academy wasn't the nicest in the world for sure. No, 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 no. Of course, he wasn't the nicest, the friendliest, the most generous person. No, he was not. But I never seen anything that a lot of people are talking about, you know, being bribed at the guy. The system was fantastic, but as simple as it sounds right now. And so for people who are questioning that system, either they don't know what they're talking about They haven't seen it. They didn't see it. Or maybe they want to just show up to join the other ones. The system was good because it was simple, was straightforward, a lot of discipline, repetition. Of course, as I moved on in my life, I realized, oh, they were missing so many things in that system. But I think Perez Roldan did the best he could back on the time. And look, everybody wanted to go there. Everybody, every parent. Now, I, now, they go, oh, no, no, hey, wait a minute. They were killing to go there and practice. So I want to point out that because I think it's important. Uh, the best, we have the best players from South America, Argentina coming. And we have a lot of camaraderie. I mean, we, we have fun too. I mean, I always been like that, that personality, Hernan. I mean, maybe Raul didn't like that too much because he won everything. But Honestly, I didn't care. He wrote a letter uh, years later when he said Daniel was the first teacher there who introduced the 200 backhand because I didn't like the 200 backhand, he said. But he was driving me nuts, talking me about Mats Villander. Mats Villander was my, side, my idol. So I remember saying, Raul, they had to... And Zabaleta, Mariano, if you see Zabaleta's technique... Sabaleta was releasing the left hand because I taught him the same backhand that Mats Villander. 
<laughs> so I'm guilty of Zabaleta's backhand. Anyways, there so many stories are not, but um, I have the best memories from Tandil. Yeah, you make me remember that interview. My wife is still complaining because I have tons of hater after after that interview. Me too. Me too. And when I posted pictures about Tandil. Me too. Yeah, but I started winning after that February. That it was a long February and, and very hot. And you work also with Nick Molicheri. And, and what are the insights that you get from Nick? Because you you got Nick at his peak. Yeah. No, Nick. Nick was. Like we said in Spanish, rest in peace, and somebody has died. Nick was, to me, was the best tennis coach that I ever seen. But I, I'm not talking about the knowledge, the drills, the way he was transmitting his uh, passion. I've never seen such a motivator. He was a great. He would make you believe that you were best, the best in the world. Probably you were, not you, anyone, the, the worst player. But he made you believe that he had that power, his body language, his voice, gestures, listen to me, like this, listen to me, boy. And when he said that, everybody was wide open, hide wide open, and Nick, he knew a lot about technique. This is another misconception that a lot of coaches said he didn't know anything about tennis. It's totally uh, not true. I mean, he knew a lot He was very intelligent, very clever, very wise. He studied the best players and the best coaches. He was talking to Boris Becker, Philippusis, Mary Pierce, uh, Richard Williams, you name it, about tennis, John Tiriak. The guy was very, very intelligent and to me was ahead of the time. An innovator, you know, with the boarding, the academy. He studied that with Harry Hoffman. Both. They were rivals, like River y Boca, uh, Hoffman, Boletieri. To me, they were icons. If you ask me, in our uh, business, teaching business, who were the icons, the guys who made a difference before and after? Nick Boletieri, Harry Hoffman. And in Spain, Pato Álvarez. By far, is arguably, these are the names that made a big change, impact, On the in our and in South America, in back on those times, Perez Roldan, I think he was different. He was an innovator of sort of training, you know, in the academy, training together. Yeah, I spoke once with Nick Bolleseri, and he spoke to me like if I were the only person in the world, and he made me feel that thing. Uh, Harry Hoffman, I, I don't know him, but I get to know him by Andres Gomez that I interviewed that. He founded his career, and that's amazing. And back to, to Tandil and the, and the players, we have Del Potro that you were very close to him when he won his Orange Bowl. How are your, your thoughts about his career and about his ending and what he's doing today? What are your, your insights about his game also? Thanks, Hernan. Yeah, I helped him when he was... I met him first when he was 13, Uh, with Marcelo Gomez, he introduced me. I have a boy who plays really well. I want you to meet. That was Marcelo introducing me. They, that was the first time. The year after, in 2002, I got a call from Marcelo in August and said, Danny, can we? Can you help us uh, to stay in Miami? Uh, because it's too expensive. And we wanna, Of course, you can stay in my house. You can train in my house. I have a tennis court in my house. And um, we had that house with a tennis court since 1997 when I left Boletieri the first time to 2005. 
Then we sold the house and I went to South Carolina. But Juan Martin came to the house with Marcelo. They stayed for about six weeks. In the morning hours, I was taking over Juan Martin's training. So I, Marcelo, he, Marcelo Gomez was my student in Tandil. And um, he respected me and said, okay, Danny, do whatever you want. When, so I did whatever I wanted, but I didn't touch anything because I was very respectful. I'm talking about technique. I didn't like, I remember, I told Marcelo in private, I don't like her forehand volley. Never liked it. He did a kind of circle motion, you know, for the volley, very weird, big, too big. To me, he did never had a good forehand volley. Uh, backhand volley was probably more compact. But then I saw a kid with an incredible mindset. Uh, he didn't miss Hernan. I could rally with him. He was 14. He didn't miss a single ball. From the first ball he hit, that impresses me the most. He never, he, I mean, he never. He missed from the beginning, never. He never made a mistake. And then we played games. He was very playful. They were struggling a little bit in the relationship. So I was the mediator, like in the middle, trying to avoid, you know, conflict. My wife also took care of him like a son. He became a very good friend of our sons. And, and then he won the Orange Bowl. I showed him videos of Luis Horna, the Peruvian, my student, when Horna got to the semis in 14s. And I showed him with Fernando Gonzalez, the matches, and said, look, he, was, he loved that. I was the one bringing, I would say, good energy to the team. Let's call it like that. I was the consultant, like advisor. That was my job. Uh, and I think, honestly, I give myself the credit to... Uh, help them to patch a, a tough run because Juan Martin lost in the Eddie Hare and in the tournament and Prince Cup in the first round. And he was very upset. He was crying, saying, I want to go home. I don't want to play the orange ball. Mm. And I remember having them sitting on the court, both, and talking a lot with both and kind of taking Juan Martin in my wings, under my wings, and helping Marcelo to kind of not being, you know, because it was too much friction. Uh, Juan Martín was very hard, very difficult. Not that easy uh, as a kid. I mean, as a student. They were arguing a lot all the time. No, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. What are you talking about? Go to hell. Very rough. But Marcelo loved him, right? And he believed in him all the time. So finishing about him, what impresses me the most always was his competitive spirit. Not the power, honestly, because you see so many hit, people hitting hard. How he managed to play well when he needed the most. And this is a trademark of the good players. They raise their level when they need to raise the level. Unlike other people who played very well, but when they have to play well, they go down. It's something that you have it. To me, you can't teach that. In my experience, Hernan, you, we can't, we can't literally teach that to anyone. You have it or you don't have it. Uh, that mindset to, to be able to raise your level when you need to do it. Djokovic is probably the best doing that. Rafa, Roger, but you see Djokovic, he looks down, losing, and suddenly he starts. It's like a, he said, I'm not going to miss anymore. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's, but how can you teach that? Trust me, I explain my students that. But no, they don't get it. They don't get it. They play worse, worse and worse. I mean, I don't have the yeah. formula. 
It looked like you were in the right place at the right time with that Marcelo and Juan Martin to succeed. And I know Marcelo because he coached my, my kid and that that trip in Miami. And he's a great person and a great coach. And he But I, I, I want to just best. say something. I'm very honest. In this time of my life, I don't want to hide anything. I don't think we had, personally, had the credit that I deserve for that. Never. Okay. Okay. Publicly, well publicly. And you know what you said? Why? What? You need promotion? You No. But come on, man. I mean, if you But, do something, why you don't yeah, say it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, you were there and you and you helped to fix a problem. And, and, and the guy succeed. And I, I know he's a really, really tough guy. And, and he could be number one if he didn't get injured, you know. So he knew, of course, that the people who helped him And he knows the people who doesn't, but it's it's up to each player talk out loud about the people that helped, you know. Yeah, and that, that's yeah. it. That's it's a good memory. I have good memories here and there, and posted some pictures. But because I love those pictures, it's not promotion. I mean, wh wh what is the point? And I actually I never lied. I went to clinics, Hernan, where the promoters were selling. Daniel Spatz was. Del Potros coach. I said, no, I wasn't. Del, I never lied. Never. I wasn't his coach. His coach was Marcelo Gomez. But I played a big, big, big role in that part of his career. That tournament changed his life. He got a check from Nike, $10,000, came to my house, and hundreds of boxes with clothes from Nike. Everything went to my house. And I, call in, I remember calling Daniel, Del Potros' dad, Daniel, Uh, rest in peace too. And Daniel, what should I do? You keep it. You keep it. This is like the Juan Martin Seconds house. No, no, no for me. I mean, you keep it until he... But yeah, you get everything. Please, you are our representative in Miami. And he wanted, a year later, to send Juan Martin to train with me in Miami because he said, Daniel, the Potros dad, Juan Martin loved the way you coach. He loved the way you talk to him. But never happened. Uh, he came back for training, but I have that in my heart forever. Nobody can take that away. Yeah, of course, you have a great experience and you help a, a top player. And if, if he didn't get injured, he would be number one, of course, because he beaten all of them, mm. all of the big three. And you said that you've been in South Carolina, you've been in Spartanburg, mm. and it's a place that I know very well because my kid went to work for college that is there, and you were assistant coach. And what? how was... That experience about college tennis. Oh, it was a great experience because my student, former student from Peru, Alessandro de Marzo, was the head coach of the Spartans uh, USC Upstate uh, College. And he invited me over to, of course, Danny, you, you should be here. They uh, technically, for the school, I was the volunteer coach. I have the, all the papers there and volunteer coach. And I was helping training Actually, he said, do whatever you want. You are in charge of the, the sessions. So I was in a club, director of a country club. But when I was off, I went to the school and I was running. Yeah, it was my, I did it for free. I never got paid for that. Uh, was totally volunteer. When you volunteer something, you, you don't get paid. Uh, and I started getting, you know, my teeth into the kids, advising them. So they invited me to the matches 
It was a wonderful experience. I mean, I could I could have been a college coach. That would be my dream. But the problem, I don't have all the studies I did was in Argentina. So I, know I don't have any degrees in the USA. And technically, okay. they will not hire you if you don't have the degrees in the USA. So, yeah, it's not about me as a person or credentials. It's just that it's a bureaucracy thing, you know, paper things. But, uh, but I had a great time and I learned about college tennis, teamwork, what the coach wants for a college kid, what they're looking for. No, it was unforgettable. And then my kids played college, Renzo and Danny. So it was a great, great uh, experience for them as well. Yeah, I actually love the, the format of the competition. It was one set doubles with no warm up, yeah. and then, yeah, and then the singles right away, seven points. It was amazing. And you have a, a quote that I love, and you can enlarge that every coach, the main thing that have to do is to discover the gift in the player. Every player has a gift, and you mentioned <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, and this is our main job to discover something good from the student. Normally, the teachers are looking for the mistakes. If you talk to a colleague, they will say, oh, she's not moving his face, she's not doing that. Wait a minute, tell me something she does well or he does well. Why you have to always look for the negative things? And, and sometimes it's enthusiasm. You know, sometimes it's just that. They are very enthusiastic. And that is a gift. That is a, something uh, positive. It's a virtue. And we build from that. I think... You know what? This is my philosophy, Hernan, and the audience. We build things for the positive thing, for the strength. Then we fix the other things. It's like building a house. When you want to build a house, what are, you, what are you looking for? The terrain. Nice, you make sure no roots behind. You try to build a house from a solid foundation, right? From the ground up. The same thing, most of the coaches are looking for the windows first, for the roof, for the interior of the house, the design. Wait a minute, let's build a house by looking for the positive things. So I'm always looking for something f positive. If I see no interest, no enthusiasm for the sport, I will let the parents know. Your son, your daughter, they, she or he doesn't like to play tennis. Take them to something else. At least not with me. But it's not negative. It's simply lack of interest. I think anyone in this planet have some talent to play tennis. You have to discover what is the talent. Yeah, of course. And, and back, to, back to your life in Miami. You've seen many Orange Bowl champions, Ooh. but not many make it in the pros. So what are the reasons why they couldn't make it? It's a great question. Yes, I saw probably 20 Orange Bowls, 12, 13, uh, 20 years, right? Reason number one, I think is, there are many reasons, but I will say lack of discipline is one. Lifestyle. Discipline, because they didn't have the discipline to continue with the hard work. Lifestyle. They didn't like the lifestyle, traveling, competing with other people, Uh, suffering, losing, losing more than winning, training more. So it's a lifestyle, you know, going to the gym, tennis, gym, tennis, <laughs> and rehab, right? With the therapist, the kinesiologist, the physio. So eight or nine hours a day in the office. They didn't like it. My son told me, very talented, I don't like to be in the course six hours hitting tennis balls. 
that's it. He decided not to continue with tennis. I will say, this is one of the reasons. They discovered, Hernan, that how much sacrifice, how much effort and work they have to put to become what they wanted to become when they were kids. So, junior tennis, Disneyland. Uh, <laughs> uh, professional tennis is a nightmare. It's a hell. It's a jungle. You don't know what it is. Uh, Disneyland, junior tennis. The jungle, you know, hike. I mean, it's like a, a professional. Then, yeah, everybody talks about the mental, but it's related. I think if you have talent in juniors and you win in juniors, why you can't win in, in, in seniors? It's not a mental thing. It's that lack of ambition, again, lack of discipline, making a decision, as I said before, Hernan. I don't want to live this life. I don't want to travel every week. I, I simply don't. So, and discipline is related with lack of fitness, lack of uh, training, I mean. And then I will say, finally, making wrong decisions with the schedule. Uh, playing the tournaments they shouldn't play because they want juniors, they want to play challengers. They said, oh, I'm too good for futures. No, come on, prove it. Uh, and if you are good, Del Potro won future when he was 15. Rafa Nadal was... A, I remember asking one of my interviewees, former top in Spain, uh, I don't remember the name, was very famous. He said, I asked him, uh, why uh, Alcaraz and Agassi, they were so young, so good? Daniel, Rafa, these guys were, were good when they were 15. When you were, I, no, Guido Pella, Guido Pella was, Guido Pella said, look, no, because I was asking, when do you realize you were, you, you were not going to be number one in the world? He said, as soon as I start playing futures. <laughs> <laughs> because and said yeah but why Alcaraz and Rafa did it he said man they won futures when they were 14-15 I didn't I was barely winning a qualifying so you become realistic you see what is the real world you are not as good as you think you are but that br brutally honesty comes later they don't see that the junior players don't see that and it's difficult to stay there. You have to be really, you have to show incredible, tremendous uh, uh, re resilience. Because if you see this guy, Victor Estrella, he was six years playing in the futures and challengers. And wow. And he made it finally. But nobody has the patience to, to do it, you know. And you have to have the money, Hernan, to be, yeah. you know, one year, $50,000, $60,000, you know, that traveling. If you are not good, you don't have sponsors. You're not going to have sponsors if you are not good. It's difficult, difficult. Yeah, the, the thing that, that the word that can summarize that is repetition. The kids doesn't want to train, rest, gym, stretch, repeat And every it's part day. of the lifestyle that I mentioned. That to me defines yeah. one word, lifestyle. You have to like that as a part of the way to to get to the top or whatever yeah and to remain there and and you mentioned that you were interviewing and and when that thing came to your life and what are the, the skills you have to acquire to to start in that venture uh, how i started my the interviewing thing yeah i started by honestly i never thought about it uh, gustavo carbonari called me and said danny why you don't do facebook live facebook live there was a lot of people doing Facebook Live. I said, what? Yeah, and I did a couple. And I said, you know, good reception. But me, was me talking about tennis topics. 
And then one day say, why don't you start interviewing? Look, go to Instagram. I have an Instagram account with maybe 1,000 followers. May less, less. I haven't posted too much. And I saw people doing interviews. I said, what? What is it? And I said, oh, I can do that. And I start calling people. And yeah, and, uh, I, honestly, I never thought about this uh, uh, reaction uh, and results achieved. But one thing I tell you, I don't want to lie to you. When I started, I said, I'm going to be the best. So I put that standard to myself. I, 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 I am very competitive, but I'm not competing with you if you have your show or anybody else. I'm competing against myself, but I'm trying to be the best that I can be. So I put a lot of pressure on myself trying to get the best people in tennis, not just good people or good players, just the best, the top. And I had help, of course, or people who... You helped me, actually, because you named. And because people like my job, and I think they didn't want to risk their names, right? How can I recommend this guy, refer this guy if he's, he's suck, he's bad? So <laughs> yeah. and I think I... And I got to know, you know, in the industry of especially Spain, Moya, Ferrer, all these names, coaches, and they were now... Correcha, Costa, and wow, this guy, I remember Carlos Moya saying in Spanish in our interview, man, you have interviewed all the tennis world. I'm the last one, he said. <laughs> so, yeah, I love it. I don't want to be a journalist. I'm not looking to be a journalist. No, 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 no. But I, I think you can be a good interviewer without being a journalist. If you know how to do it, if you study, if you prepare yourself, if you understand how to conduct an interview, I study the best interviews, interviewers in, in the world and styles. And I develop my own style, of course. But I, it's like tennis. I watch Boletieri, Hoffman, Pato Alvarez, Tiriak, Pato Rodriguez. And I watch all of them working. Then I, Raul Perez Roldan, but I develop my own style. Yeah. You know, you have to study the best. You have to look at the best. And then you say, okay, I take this, I take that, a little bit of one, a little bit of the other one. And there are some basic stuff that you have to follow to have success in, as an interviewer, I think. I have a list of things and that one day I'm going to run a, a kind of speech or I hope uh, in any, you know, I hope in a kind of a college industry talking about the secret of my own experiences and how you could, how can you be a good interviewer, you know, because I think I improved a lot, so many things, and I'm still trying to, to get better, but I'm, I'm happy now. Honestly, if you love what you do, you enjoy. This is what, what I do. Yeah, you are comfortable with the repetition because you have more than 400 interviews. Almost, almost 500. Almost 500, and my information is not so accurate. I'm not doing the job. No, you do. And you do. You have everything about my life, man. You know everything. <laughs> yeah, of course. And, and I, I watched a, an interview to Gabe Jaramillo, that mm. is one of the top coaches, and he said that he made players train with women because of the ball of the women. They put the ball the same speed, the same depth, and the same curve. And I can I can agree with that because I've seen a young Agassi Albolettieri playing with women. Uh, he was in court number one. I was in court number 50, but I, I've seen him playing. What are your thoughts about playing with women or training with women? Uh, it's a great point. No, I think uh, if, he, if 
the girls help the kids with consistency and discipline, consistency, concentration, professionalism. The girls don't complain too much. We do it. We always whine, complain. <laughs> We are baby cries. Kids are always complaining. The girls are less complainers. They Girls love to run for every ball and, and kids, you know, the boys are more creative, of course, stronger physically. They're more powerful. They like to play with more variety, you know, the slides, the boys. But I think it's a combination, but uh, it works when the level, tennis is not about age, it's about levels. Of course, there is a limit, but I see 10-year-old beating 18-year-old. I saw it. Of course, strength-wise, the The 18 was stronger, but the 10 was better, more consistent. Otherwise, I always said any bodybuilder will be a tennis champion. Because mm -hmm. if we talk about strength, Hernan, strength is not the most important thing for tennis. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's uh, many other things. But anyways, I think I like to mix. Uh, girls normally are competitive, but they prefer to do drills. They prefer to train. Boys like to compete immediately. They want to compete. They want to make... What I do when I had academies, I used to play a lot mixed doubles. Wow. So I did a lot of competition of mixed doubles. They love it. When I was in Peru, Mexico, last time place that I was coaching, and I haven't seen that in academies often. I don't see the coaches make tournaments, mixed doubles. So I made teams. Teams, Agassi versus Steffi Graf, or Sampras, or Federer, Justin Henan, you know, Serena Williams, Nadal, and the captains. I selected one captain male and one captain female. Two captains in each team. And I have them making the teams, you know, and they love it. Mixed doubles. And then I did singles mix, not dub only doubles. They also play singles. They love it. We would it once a month. It was maybe I had a ranking. Uh, no, it was very innovative. I think that should be that more often to create that chemistry. No training only. Team, competition, mix, combining. And you know what? The boys are behaving very well because they have to behave with a girl. I helped so many kids. They lost their mind because they were stopping saying bad words, you know, swearing because they, the girl was next to them. You help them not just Tennis-wise, also for their own, you know, to share, to be humble. So be show empathy, compassion, uh, respect to the girls, respect to girls, respect to women. I, I think this is a good suggestion for guys who had academies, doing mixed doubles. That, that's a great initiative. I, I have only one experience in mixed doubles. I played with my wife <laughs> in countries and, and she defaulted in the third set. And we lost, but that was my experience. It was with my wife. But I agree 100% with what you said about team respect, ladies. And is there any threat? Because when one guy plays against a lady, he, he doesn't want to lose. So it's some extra pressure. So you, you, you're putting a lot of things in that competition, and I love it. And, and actually, and I'm you... sorry, I, I tell the girls, don't complain when the boy hits the ball hard and you're at the net. Because if you play Serena Williams, baby, I tell you, Serena has no mercy. She or Sharapova, Sabalenka. You think Sabalenka is going to be nice to you at the net? No, but she's going to 
hit it right into your face. And they understood that, you know, when I put immediately the professional players, I said, let's imagine that you have playing Sabalenka and uh, Isner, mixed doubles. What do you think you're going to get the ball soft? <laughs> so they, they like it. They say, yeah, you're right, coach. Yeah, it's, it's, it, there's a way to improve there. And why do you think that there isn't many ladies coaching on the tour? Maybe there are many ladies involved, like Mercedes Paz here in Argentina, making a great job, but not too many ladies coaching the tour. Yeah, I I talked. I asked. I interview a few teachers, coaches, females. You will see in, in English. In English, if you I did a. a Tina Pisnik, who was 20, 29 in the world, she's a coach, and other players, former players, now coaches. And yeah, it's, it's a men's, men's field, looks like the coaching, professional coaching field, right? Because we remember when Mauresmo was coaching Andy Murray, everybody yeah. said, oh, how come Murray, why not? What is the problem? Conchita Martinez also was coaching. Uh, why not? Yeah, there is too much ego. And I s still, I think there is a difference on the gender and uh, money issues, the ATP, WTA. and mm. But I don't know. I think I've seen... Oh, by the way, when I was in Peru and uh, Mexico, I always had a female coach in my staff. I think okay. any academy, any academy should have a female coach, one or two in their staff. Very important to deal with little ones, with girls. Teenagers, you know, there's a fine line sometimes. So I strongly recommend, you know, the tennis directors, if someone is listening, to have one or two female coach and their staff. They're super. I love to have a female coach. Yeah, of course. And nowadays the, the, the GOAT discussion is, is in all the media. And maybe you and me are kind of old school and watch Labour, Bohr and all that great players. What do you think about the, the old ones and the new ones? Are the new ones so better than the old ones or are different eras? You mean the, the professional players? Yeah, the goal, the big three, Roger, uh, Rafa, no, Nole. No, no, it's different, Hernan. You're very knowledgeable about tennis. You know, you've been, you watch Sampras, Agassi, Lendl, Edberg, Becker. No, every, every era has, you know, great players. Now that we are trying to, it's hard for us to see the ending of the big three. Uh, now one left because it's Novak. I mean, Roger is out. Rafa is going to try to come back. He just said, I don't know how I'm going to feel. Rafa said recently, yesterday, I, I heard the message he uh, did for the social media. And people tend to compare players and sports people. You know, Messi, Maradona, Ronaldo, uh, Jordan, uh, this and that. Maradona, Pelé. No, everybody has uh, Schumacher, uh, Verstappen. Everybody's different. We have to enjoy. I think we have some, the three probably most notorious players now young are, you know, Alcaraz, Sinner, and Rune. I'm not saying they're going to be the big three. Everybody, when I say that, no, but, they, but I'm not saying the big three, but they are the next three. Don't call it big three, but next three. Yeah. Uh, with some others probably coming that we don't know. For example, I like Sebastian Corda, Sebi Corda's game, but I like Aliasim, Shapovalov, uh, but they struggle with breaking through. Then you have Medvedev, who won Grand Slams, Zverev, Sisipas. I call those big three also, small big three. And the only one who was able to win was Medvedev at Grand Slam. It's hard. Team, team is older, 
He won the U.S. Open, got to the French Open finals, but it's difficult. And we have to mention right there in the next three, Ale uh, Andy Murray and Stan Babrinka. Yeah. And behind them, there is, to me, there is a ladder. And then behind them, Silic and Del Potro. I'm not putting, honestly, Del Potro. Yeah, he could have been number one, yes, but this is something we can't prove it. If you ask me, I think Stan Babrinka has more chances to, to be... Stan was amazing, and still is. Uh, and bef bef behind Juan Martín and Zilic, Nishikori, Verdic, Songa, yeah. Gasquet. Hey, man, we have some great players. We yeah. enjoyed, right, man, so much. And in a... Well, I'm talking about the last generation, but before that, Rodic, Hewitt, Hewitt, Rodic, they were number one, mm -hmm. Ferrero. Before yeah. that, Andy, before that, of course, Sampras, Agassi. To me, we will have what I've seen. We are going back to the 2000s when we have Rodic, Ferrero, Hewitt sharing the tournaments until Raf Gaudio, 2004, Gaston Gaudio, until you know, the 2007, when Ra Roger took over, started dominating, and then Rafa and Novak showed up in the 2010-11. So we're gonna, they're going to probably share a lot of Grand Slams. I don't think it's going to be one winning all the Grand Slams. No, all, but many, right? Like the big three. I don't know. Maybe Alcaraz and Sinner... We don't know. Novak still is going to be competitive. Novak is, is a beast. <laughs> He's <laughs> a gladiator. Is grass, man. A gladiator. He's a gladiator. Novak is the ultimate gladiator. Novak. Yeah, and it's very incredible because he fueled with the crowd, you know. Uh, he the, the other day when he was playing the, the final against Medvedev, he's his friend. And he couldn't fight with him. And he started fighting with his team, you know, because he need another guy to fight to get the most of him. Exactly, yeah. What I see, and I asked David Ferrer in my interview and other players too, the tendency of having a former champion in your team. You know, uh, Ivanisevic, Becker, Lendl, Moya, Ferrero. Look, you have five big names in the last probably seven, eight years. They were sitting... Agassi failed. He was with Djokovic. He didn't get along. Jimmy Connors started out with Maria Sharapova and Rodic. Didn't do well. They fired Jimmy. They didn't like Jimmy. Jimmy didn't. And then he never showed up. Jimmy. Uh, but you see those guys, those five names, Lendl, Becker, Ivanisevic, Moya, and then the other one, uh, I just forgot, Ferrero, Juan Carlos. Looks like that's the tendency. And I think, in my opinion... Juan Martín del Potro should I have one big, big name in his box. Yeah. I have a nice story about that, and I will share with you and the audience. Last Wimbledon, uh, a father of Argentinian player, well, that we talk often, he said that he won a champion, a Grand Slam champion on his kid's box during Wimbledon. And he talked about uh, Pat Cash and said, wow, that's a great, uh, that's a great move. And I, I was in internet and I, I was watching a Boris Becker interview and he was so humble. And I said to him, why not Boris? And he said, I don't know how much it costs. So uh, I have a friend that is a friend of Lontiriak and we figured out how much was Becker for the whole grass season. And he didn't take it. 
and now back it is with Rune. So look, exactly, exactly. I think Rune. I like Rune. Rune is controversial. I used to post him. I want to support him. His mom is following me. I talked to his mom Anneke, in private, and she's very nice. She was asking me questions. Actually, I want you to know uh, about uh, when he was struggling with uh, his coach Patrick Moratoglu. He she asked me, "Do you think we should hire a former champion?" I say yes. And she said, we were trying to hire David Ferrer, but David said no because he was the Davis Cup captain from Spain. And you can't coach. At least, I don't know if it's an international uh, rule policy on Spain, Davis Cup. You can't coach a top 100 player if you are a Davis Cup captain. I didn't know that. So Okay, but you, you gave her the same advice that I gave that parent. Uh, exactly. I say yes, definitely. Because coaches, there are... So many good coaches out there, but uh, you should ask a champion. What? And I remember, I don't know, I think it was Marcos Paniki who interviewed Marco, the fitness coach of Novak, said the input that Novak, uh, uh, Novak, sorry, uh, Goran has with Novak is the, the experience of being in the locker rooms before, how you should play the big points. I didn't have that experience. I can be a good coach, but I didn't have, I didn't play Wimbledon. So how can I help a player to win Wimbledon? But in other hands, Tony Nadal said to me that he disagreed with that. He thinks that you can coach because he did it with Rafa, but I think it's different because Rafa was his nephew. Yeah, that one day that that been on the grass and knows every bounce and one day, yeah, it's, it's a it's a great advantage. And nowadays there are, there are tons of information on internet. Many people learn from videos. What do you think about such practice? Who to follow, who not to follow, uh, where we can dig it? It's a great point. I think you should follow in life people, to me, people who has proven results. But you can argue with me and also say, Daniel, but how about a young person who is... Yeah, but how can I trust a young person who doesn't have the experience? Sorry, he might have beautiful words quotes, ideas, but he, he never had results yet. He's young. So if you have to listen, Daniel Spatz, when Daniel was 15, uh, sorry, 25, or Daniel Spatz, 55, or whatever, of course, listen, Daniel Spatz, 55, 50. No, Daniel Spatz, 25. Yeah. Because Daniel Spatz, 25, has great enthusiasm, energy, passion. Yeah, but I didn't have the knowledge. N neither the results. That makes sense for me, all activities, not just tennis, soccer, football, basketball, business. Listen, business. But look, the influencers, the social media experts, you see streamers, so many are very young, but they are successful. So I will listen to them. I'm not talking about the age. I'm talking about success. Because the old guys like me, we don't have experience in the social media. So I'm learning from the youngest people. But in tennis, my friend, bullshit. Experienced people have the results. So answering your question, I will just listen and copy, cut something that for someone who has the experience in the field. For example, if you want to look for junior development, I will listen to guys who had success developing juniors. Gabe Jaramillo, for example. 
If you want to get success with professional players, I will listen to coaches who have success coaching professional players, no junior players. If you want to learn from little kids, I will look for teachers, professors, no coaches, who had experience building little kids games. So I don't think, but I don't watch, I don't necessarily listen to everybody. I will, No, no, because there is a lot of imitation. You see the most common drill, racket head acceleration for the forehand. Everybody's doing that. And they get 100 million likes. They put a kid <laughs> here in the forehand. Wow. Wow, what? What is wow? I want to see that kid play in a match. If he or she can do that in a match. The social media became a just a receipt of training. All are training champions. Everybody show kids, teenagers, how they train. They work hard. But they, did, they never win a match. So because I, I'm looking for the name of the players, I go to the ITF. And they don't exist in the ITF. But they look amazing, you know, in practice. Honestly, I don't buy that. I don't follow that. Yeah, you have to surround yourself with the best. And I have a story that relates with what you said. Because last year I was training with my serve. It wasn't aligned with my game. And I said, okay, I have to change it. So I watched Ivan Lendl or Henry Lecon, the serves of my age. And then I came up to read Macy's videos. And I found his videos outstanding. And I switched from a pain point serve to a platform serve with no collateral damage. And that guy was amazing. It's the same as you are saying. Surround yourself with the best and don't watch other people that uh, are successful. He has proven results, Rick. So mm -hmm. he worked with May, uh, Williams, Capriati, uh, you name it. So I look Nick. I watch Nick's drills. I have all the videos from Nick, all the books from Nick's here, because Nick was successful. If I would be a soccer coach, football coach, I will study Bielsa, Guardiola, uh, now Scaloni. Scaloni is young, but have proven results. So I will not study what you will respect the coach who never wins a match. Because he might have the ideas, the theory, but didn't have results. Sports is about results. Yeah, of course. And, and, and shifting to your personal life back then in 2010... I noticed you were married with Bettina and he was struggling with some kind of disease. And I want to ask you a couple of things that you learned from her and from your relationship with her. Uh, no, thank you for bringing. Yes, uh, she struggled, you know, uh, fought uh, breast cancer in 2014. Uh, she's recovered, but resilience, faith, fighting spirit, positivism, teamwork and an incredible strength, daily strength. Uh, energy, uh, optimism. Yeah, I, I named maybe 10, 10 things already. So yeah. uh, no, don't complain for silly things. Don't complain for silly things in life. Uh, when you see someone close that you love having that, you said, come on, man, stop complaining for a headache, any pain. Oh, my elbow hurt in my shoulder. Come on. Go to work, boom, and go to work. I think that these are the most important values and life lessons that I learned from her. Yeah, it looks like, like, like the family I call with my wife, our inner circle is the, the main pillar of, of, of our life. Maybe friends can come and go, people work, jobs, but the inner circle 
have to stay in balance. And before last question, where can people can find you in social media or Instagram or Facebook? Thanks. And look, I'm talking about the followers. The other day, a very good friend coming from Spain, Ivan Rodrigo, former player, I interviewed him. He's very nice and said, oh, now you have this kind of followers. And I interrupted him. I said, I don't care. I'm not looking. Of course, it's good. But no, it's not my... Because at the end of the day, nobody's going to remember me for the followers that I had. If someone is going to remember Daniel Spatz when he got, died, is what he left, what legacy he left for our sport. Not how many followers or likes I had. Or how many viewers of my interviews. Yeah. You know what? I want them to remember, oh, Daniel Spatz was the crazy guy who did the interviews. No, how many viewers I have. Who cares about that? Honestly, this is my vision about viewers, followers, and all this stuff. They can, you know, you can follow me on Instagram and F Facebook and YouTube. I don't have Twitter. I don't have TikTok. It's too much. I <laughs> think when you have so many social media things, you're leaving for the social media. So I enjoyed a lot posting. And it's interesting. Facebook and Instagram, they have different dynamics. Of course, YouTube is visual, videos. But Facebook is more spiritual. People like to read. People like to comment. In Instagram, is everything fast, quick, visual, colorful, colorful, with effects, you know, beautiful effects and pictures. And yeah, I, I, if you see my reels about the... the, the I do the reels for the, the interviews are simple. I'm taking what I like from the interview. People liked it. And I believe simple is better. Simple is easy to understand and it's difficult to do simple things well. I live up in those things. Simple is better. Eh? Simple is easy, easier, and it's difficult to do the simple things well. I live up in sim simplicity, not in sophisticated things. Yeah, that's a definition of success about Jim Rohn. And he said success is doing simple things well every day. And it's very close of about what you said. And, and the last question is about who is Danny Spatz? Who are you? It's a beautiful question. See, and also there is a fine line between simple and easy. I'm telling always my students before answering your question, Anand. Is this drill simple? Let's do forehand cross-court. Yeah, it's simple. But it's easy to do it well? No. Oh, to hit the ball deep in the corner or short angle or whatever. You, whatever you want the student to do. It's not easy. It's simple. The essence of the drill is simple. I remember explaining that to the college kids. They love it. The difference between simple and easy. I am a simple guy who try to make things easy for people listening to him. And you are doing a great job with all the people you interviewed and, and sharing all that knowledge to the whole web. And thanks for this interview. And thanks for being part of my tennis career when I was very young, being part of your family too, because I get to know your wife and your son. And for sure, we'll be connected in the near future. Thank you, Hernan. It was a wonderful time. Congratulations for your job. I mean, it's fantastic. And I think uh, uh, also we are giving both a, a great lesson for our uh, colleagues in South America, Latin America. Study English. Learn English. It's going to open a lot of opportunities in their lives. Do not limit yourself to speak Spanish only. 
Be humble, courageous, and do your homework and study English. That's a great tip that I followed before I started this podcast because my English wasn't that good or not It's fantastic. so good to start. Yeah. So I have to work a lot, even though I've been through high school in English, I have to work a lot. It's totally different. I've been through the same. When I came to the States to work in volunteer in 96, I have a translator, somebody who was translating for me because I was very shy, very insecure. But then... I went, I call it go to the jungle and I studied listening, reading and writing and reading all the books in English, listening to the movies and writing. And that was, that, that's it. You learn and, and talking, of course, the fourth thing, right? You have to start talking and, and yeah, you learn. I mean, if you want to do it, you will do it. All is possible when you want to do it. <laughs> and when you do the work, the door starts to open. Exactly. And this is, you read the books, you can read, you have access to people, you are more respected by the other people. If they know you, you can speak English. You open yourself a world of opportunities. And yeah, my generation, they have no idea, I tell you, in general, how to speak English. Uh, some of them, they are very honest. They say, I don't know. Others, they lie. They say, oh, I can. And then I can see they have no idea because when they come to the States, Danny, Danny, what he's saying? You told me that you knew how to speak English, I said. <laughs> that they don't know. You know something? This is more than an interview conversation because you get some information about me that I wasn't going to reveal. So you're a great interviewer, Danny. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> Hernan, thank you. And uh, uh, I had a fantastic time. I hope I can see it. Uh, you can send me the link. I will love it. And actually, yeah, I want to share with my followers, people, what, what this, because it's about your job as well. Yeah, it's, it's a job and a hobby. And in, in a couple of weeks, it will be live. So thanks again for, for your patience and for all your content. And I get to speak with the Danny of 55 years old. That is a better Danny than when he coached me at 25. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, Hernan. Take care. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. What a great guest we had today, unique content. If you like it, resonate with it, or find information in this episode valuable, please leave a review or share it with a friend. See you in the next episode.